Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss Squid Game. Hello, hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. And today we're going to talk about something that has been heavily requested by lots of fans, Squid Game, the new show that just premiered on Netflix this year. And this show is absolutely insane. It comes from South Korea, created by... Um, I'm gonna we're gonna mispronounce a bunch of names in this episode, so we're sorry, but it's it's created by Hwang Dong Hyuk, and he's the director as well as the writer of the show. And it took him 12 years to get it made. He got rejected by every studio he was pitching it to, and he originally planned for this show to be a movie. And then when Netflix got involved, they encouraged him to make it a series and to stretch out the story. And I think it probably works best as a, in a long format storytelling rather than probably like a two hour narrative feature. But this this series is it's rare to have a pop culture phenomenon these days because there's so many things to watch. That is an MCU. Yeah, that's not has nothing to do with Marvel. But I mean, this it's it's cool when something can capture the imagination of an entire global popul- population. Ninety countries is number one. Is over seven hundred million hours watched of this show so far, and it has probably. It has nearly surpassed every show on Netflix, and the Netflix CEO said that there's a very good chance it will be the most watched show in Netflix's history. Which would surpass The Office, which is insane, because that was number one for so many years. And so Netflix picked up this show two years ago. It's been subtitled into 31 languages and dubbed in 13, and it's the platform's top show in more than 90 countries with about 95% of viewers outside of South Korea. So this is incredible news for South Korea cinema because hopefully this makes people realize and understand that there's a ton of great stories that have been getting told from South Korea specifically. We all know about Parasite, but even checking out directors like Park Chan-wook and his work. Yeah, and what's really cool is that they don't need to make an American version of it. I hope they don't. Because it's so big in America. I think that so many studios, like, they're they're remaking Parasite to be an American TV series too. And for me, I'm like, there's really no need. It won Best Picture in America. It grossed to $100 million in America. Like, plenty, plenty of people saw it. You don't need to remake it. And then I think that in the last few years, American audiences are beginning to dip their toes into international films um, outside of, you know, the art house crowd that has always enjoyed those movies, but making them mainstream. Parasite was a really big step forward because it not only won so many Oscars, but it did make a ton of money in America. Yeah. And this this show is an example of how that is. This is like a next step where a gigantic television show that the American consciousness that's in these zeitgeist, everyone is talking about it. And no, and it's not an American-made um, production. Um, only a, you only hear English a few times in the show, so I think that's a major step forward for international cinema. Yeah. And before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to share it with your family and friends and become a patron at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You get perks like personalized videos, our podcast schedules. Top-tier patrons get a monthly shout-out on the podcast. And the best perk of all is every single patron, two dollar, five dollar, or ten dollar, you all have access to our weekly bonus episodes, which post every Wednesday. Head on over to our website, RaidersOfLostPodcast.com, to get all of our information, merch, and, and content. Subscribe, follow wherever you're listening. Hit the notification bells and thank you so much for tuning into this show around the world and making it possible now I, I actually think this show has excellent production elements as well not just the idea which is i think is pretty genius and 
I think the production value is really high. The editing and directing is great. The music I love, like the the flutes and the pipes that are playing with the the childish games when they go on. And then the sound design of the show is excellent. It has great production design as well, um, especially the sets inside of the island. It's like that amazing colorful stairwell, which is um, a callback to that famous painting of the puzzle. And also like the, the different sets of the games themselves are really fantastic like i really love that first set the uh and right. then also the the mirror the glass bridge is a really terrific set and i mean the simplicity of the squid game set is good too but ultimately the the production standards of the infrastructure of the island are really top notch yeah and the gore is excellent it's not like overdone i can't really watch it gore there are some scenes like that specifically i think the surgeries of the yeah. organ extraction those are pretty cringy but overall but they're not like showing close-ups there's a the... ton of gore in this show but it doesn't seem like it. there's you a know? lot of bullet holes <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so because when the show holes. gets going after in season in episode one once we start rolling when they're in the games when they start to play red light green light and the first guy gets taken out by the sniper rifles you're like oh my god you kind of had an idea something like this was going to happen but yeah. on this level i couldn't have predicted it really this show isn't for the faint of heart so if you're on the fence about it if you don't like gore, you probably shouldn't watch it because it's not like um, Hostel or like Saw. But there is a lot of death. There is a lot of killing. So if that's not your cup of tea, you should probably take a, a step away from this show. Yeah, I think it's the mass death, the massacres yeah. in just short periods of time in this yeah. show. that Gun violence. Yeah it's, yeah, it's insane. But again, because the gore's done pretty well, it's able to be um, digested by most audiences, I think. Yeah, and this, this show was really surprising. I can see why it became such a phenomenon because it is shocking. The first episode is excellent. There's a lot to it. And I, I, the character development for the main cast is is excellent. Uh, you really understand the characters, especially the lead. But the, that first sequence when they first play Red Light, Green Light, there's already there's so much mystery built up and so much suspense and curiosity built up into this secret game. And then when it turns violent and you see the stakes of each game, it is really mind-blowing and shocking. And overall, the show has very dense and I think pretty obvious themes like classism, social hierarchy, power, capitalism. Uh, we have themes like debt, human nature, control. Anthony wrote a funny note in my notes. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Trauma. Google Docs. <laughs> as well as coping. And I think these are all huge huge elements in the story that are, are woven in and i think the entire show in general is a huge metaphor for government control and hierarchical class structure that has existed and probably will exist exist for the entirety of human civilization as long as we're here in this level and i also of, oh sorry of humanity sorry and i also think that one of the, probably the biggest theme you could say is um how desperate people will turn on each other and how you know survival instincts take control of people when they are put into desperate situations and they'll turn on their friend they'll turn on their neighbor just to survive yeah and like the overall metaphor that we're all prisoners in a world run by power and money that only a handful of people on this planet have and all we can do is look up in the air at that floating piggy bank and hope that we'll be <laughs> able to grab a handful of cash in our lives at some point and the, the whole plot of the of the show is hundreds of cash strapped players accept a strange invitation to compete in children's games inside a tempting prize awaits with deadly high stakes a survival game that has a whopping 4.5 billion won prize at stake which is about 54 million dollars us and in Korea, in South Korea, there the debt is a major problem for for the uh, um, uh, population there, 
And the reason for that is because the government has really loosened any regulations upon um, people giving out loans to other people, whether they be a, a company or even individuals who are giving out loans. And so a lot of people take risky loans when they shouldn't and they're allowed to because there's no regulations on them. And so this is why so many people in South Korea are in intense amounts of debt. You'll see debt as a major theme in a lot of films, most notably Parasite, uh, where everyone's in debt except for the, the, major, the main family. And so this is another example of showing how the system is flawed in that country and many other countries. And a lot of people are put into situations where they can never survive and they can never get out. Yeah, the majority of Western cultures and uh, plenty of other countries, there's an immense wealth gap. It's huge. And like the top 15 are the biggest countries in the world. I mean, we're talking China, United States, South Korea is on that list too, United Kingdom. So all these countries that have immense wealth, the disparity between the poor and the rich is gargantuan. It's very, very seldom you get to use that word in a sentence. I love that word. Can anyone quote that movie? Leave a comment on YouTube if you know what we're talking about. <laughs> so how about we dive into the characters, the main ones, and then we'll go episode by episode. How does that sound to you, Anthony? That sounds wonderful. We'll start with the lead, who's Gi-hun, and he's the main character. We meet him in the first one. He's hopeless. He's broke. He's a gambling addict. He's in intense debt. Tons of one. Um, he's an absent father to his daughter who has a new father and his ex-wife left him years ago. He's overall just kind of a loser. It's, it's a mean thing to say, but that's what he is in this show. But he has a good heart and he wants to be a better person. And his specific motivation to enter this game is his intense debt. debt and he also wants to help his mother out. He doesn't want to have to gamble anymore. He doesn't want to have these problems in his life anymore. He wants to be a father to his daughter. And again, he doesn't want to be a loser anymore. Yeah, he's he's a great lead. I think he's the perfect character to lead the show for the audience to get behind because he does go through major transformation from being this dilapidated man, uh, a man child in a lot of ways, someone who is very selfish and cares only for himself. Like, I, like he's... He wants to be a good father, but he doesn't really make an effort. Like he wins that game at the carnival for the present for his daughter. And you're like, oh, nice. He won her a present, but it ends up being a, a pistol lighter. He doesn't even look inside. Yeah, he doesn't even know what it was. And so, it, it, and that's an example of it's funny, but also it's an example of how, you know, how crappy of a dad he is to his own daughter. And so this game, all the people that enter this game are desperate and he's desperate for many reasons, most notably because he really is in deep with the sharks. Yeah, played by Lee Jung Jae and he lives with his mother and he often has to get loans from his mother and people who he's grown up with around his neighborhood. And he does a terrific job of a character we've seen a bunch of times, you know, the down on his luck, desperate man with the yep. daughter he never gets to see, but he turns into his own thing, I think. It's a good archetype for the lead of the show. Sure. And then we have his friend Sang Woo, who grew up in the same neighborhood as Gion, and he was like the prodigy of the neighborhood. He went to Seoul National University. You know, he had, everyone expected big things from him. He, he was a successful businessman, but also he made some very risky business decisions, and he is in debt for maybe billions of won uh, based upon his decisions as an insider trader. And he's also wanted for arrest. There are warrants out for his arrest. So he's in a very desperate situation. And also he provides that connection to Gihon's character. Yeah, because they grew up in the same neighborhood. He's the prodigy from their hometown. Yeah, and they used to play Squid Game together. Yeah, and so he's in yeah, that opening scene where he's he's actually his voice, yeah. I believe, explaining Yeah, I the thought game. it was Gihon, but then in the latter episode, you realize you it's Sangwoo. It's Sangwoo, yeah. And so Sangwoo is... He's, an, he's a disgraced investment banker, so he committed fraud, basically, and he's wanted by the police, like you said. 
And I would say that Sangwoo is the most transformed character of in this show towards the end of the film because Gi Hun, you could say by the end of the film and the show at the end of Squid Game, has never lost his morality. Whereas Sangwoo has completely lost his humanity. He becomes probably the worst villain in the entire show besides the people who run Squid Game. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And then we have Sebyuk, who is a defector from North Korea, and she's also a pickpocket. She actually robs Gi-hun um, in the opening of the show during the, the after he wins that yeah. that horse race and wins all the money. He thinks he's going to be able to, you know, pay for a beautiful meal for his for his daughter's play. Fried by, chicken. <laughs> she's played by Jung Ho-yeun, who is actually a huge star now because of the show. And the thing with with North people from North Korea, they become like a different class of citizen, even though they go to South Korea. Even if you set foot in South Korea from North Korea, you immediately become a citizen. I believe that's the rule. But still, you are treated differently than, class. Than, than other South Koreans. Yeah, you literally are the lowest class on the hierarchy because you're North Korean and uh, a northerner, they'll call them. And she's a fascinating character, and she is very much a heartbeat for the show throughout the entire series. She is like constantly... Um, Keeping Gihan straight and narrow, you know what I mean. She stops him. She stops him from killing, trying to kill a Song Wu, and she she's very closed off as a person. Um, she doesn't trust anyone. That's her biggest problem: is her inability to let anyone close to her, her inability to trust anyone, and also the regret that she feels and the remorse she feels for not helping her brother as as much as she could. And her motivation for joining the game the games is to help her family because we discover that. Her brother is basically living in an orphanage, and also her mother, even though she made it to China, got sent back to North Korea. So she would use the money to try to reunite her entire family with her, which mm-hmm. is a great motivation. And also, oh yeah, Sangwoo's motiv- motivation is because he needs the money for stealing all that money from everyone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, next we have Junho, who is the detective who was who ends up tracking down the games and then in- infiltrates the workforce within the Squid Game. Trying to, and he's as he's gathering uh, evidence, gathering photos, videos of the games themselves. He's also looking for his brother, who he hasn't heard from in a long time. Um, and then he becomes a, a vital part of the plot. Yeah, so he's the one. Yeah, he hears Gi Hun's crazy story at the police station of these crazy games of everyone being kidnapped. It's like maybe my brother could be there. I, I got to try to follow this lead because his brother also had the business card. Yeah, and then we have Gong Yu, who is only in a couple episodes. He's the salesman who is. First plays that game is a jockey, jockey, with um, Gi Hun to get him to lure him basically to the games. He gives him the the cash reward of a hundred thousand won, even though he loses to him constantly. He finally wins that one game, that slap game, <laughs> and he's actually also the lead actor in Train to Busan, which is an awesome zombie movie from South Korea. He's a big star in Korea, so it must have been a surprise for a lot of people to see him in this. He's perfectly cast in the show, too. Yeah, he's excellent. And I'm sure he'll be back for the second season, for sure. And then we have Abdul, who is... Ali Abdul. Uh, Ali Abdul. Do you say both names, though, for someone who's Pakistani? Well, his name's Ali. Everyone calls him Ali. Yeah, so Ali. So he's a Pakistani immigrant from South who lives in South Korea. He's completely broke. He's disfigured he's he is missing a few fingers from a job so he can't find good work uh in the city and so he's very desperate for money but ali probably has the best heart out of everyone in squid game he's the only person who's not south korean that's there so he's automatically an outcast because he doesn't know the culture very well he doesn't know the games that are being played he doesn't know the the language super well he speaks pretty good south korean for being an immigrant but still he doesn't know exactly everything that's going on when there's new games coming up because he didn't grow up in south korea like everyone else did he also is there with his family and he's 
he's very selfless because he saves Gi-hun in the first game. He saves him in green, red light, green light. And also he's over-trusting because he lets Sang-woo take advantage of him in uh, Gambu. Yeah, he's too naive during Marvel's For his game. own good. Very tragic storyline. And then we have uh, my Neo, who is basically that con woman who's always trying to trip people for her benefit. She has that fling with Daksu, uh, where she's like, "Oh, if we're gonna we're gonna do this together, <laughs> we're gonna end up together." So we we gotta we gotta stick together throughout the entire game. She's one of my favorite characters. She's very funny. Yeah, she yeah, is. she's entertaining. And then Daksu is also one of my favorite characters. He plays that thug with the snake tattoo. He becomes like uh, a leader of many of the other alphas of the area. He try he forms his own gang essentially as a way of protecting himself. I think, and self-preservation in himself, and he's always resorting to violence to get his way, and I think he's a really entertaining character and a great villain within the group outside of the Squid Game workforce that is actually within the contestants that is much needed. Yeah, he's like the alpha male presence when the hierarchy hierarchies of social class and status start to develop inside the contestants because that's inevitable with humans and groups. The, the hierarchy is going to be created at some point. And his motivation is he got in trouble with whatever mob he works in where he tried to steal money, I think, from one of the, the gang leaders or mob bosses where he's from. And he's a killer. He kills someone in the when they all return home. So he's he and it's a precursor. You need to show that because of how ruthless he is during the games. Yeah, you think he's going to be the worst villain, but it ends up being Sangwoo for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. And then uh, Byung-ji who is the doctor, and he ends up being a surgeon for... There's an underground group of workers at Squid Game who are selling uh, black market organs from the corpses of the recently deceased uh, contestants, and so they have tapped him to uh, extract every organ from the bodies, and so for that, he receives extra food, water, and also he learns what each game is beforehand. Yeah, and I think they do it to living people who are still alive, too. Just on One the of verge them is of, alive by accident. On the yeah. verge of death. Yeah. I think they have to be alive when you're extracting organs. No, you can do it within a couple hours. Can you? Yeah. Okay, I'm not an expert. You just have to put it on ice. They certain org certain organs can last up to 48 hours. Some can't. Um, but ultimately, you have a couple of hours after a corpse dies, especially for certain organs. You can take them out within two days. You have an odd amount of expertise <laughs> on black market organ selling and removal and extraction. <laughs> What's going on, Anthony? I did a little research re recently. <laughs> a little re What's the big deal? Well, actually, uh, organs can last up to 48 hours. No, certain organs. Certain organs in the correct conditions. <laughs> for example, eyes can last 17 hours. And, you know, the left eyeball lasts longer than the right one from my personal experience. Like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> then we have the front man or the masked man. He's the mysterious manager of the entire Squid Game. We learn he's not like the owner or chief, but he just manages everything. His mask is different than everyone else's. So you could say in the hierarchical structure, even in Squid Game that exists. So I think what, what always exists in human civilization is the the lower class, middle class, and upper class. And even in the Squid Game world, it's the lower class or the workers in the pink. And then it's the the master man, the front man is in the middle, and then the elites are the are like Ilman, Il, Ilnam, and then the uh, the VIPs. Or you could even say, ready for this? So the contestants are the lower class, the workforce is the middle class, and then the the elites are the high class, and then the masked man is the politician. Yeah, and then also you yeah. could go even further, where among the employees, all the ones who wear pink with the masks, they're they're 
their their square circle or 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 triangle represents their class in mm-hmm. their hierarchy. So there's always the triple hierarchy, which again has existed for all human civilization and always will probably exist for human civilization. Yeah, and what's interesting is the masked man also speaks English, so he's a very curious character, very mysterious until you finally get to see him with his mask off. And then yeah. we also have Il Nam, who is the elderly man playing in the games. He's player number one, which is a contrast to Gihun, who is player number 456, the last player in the in the games. And um, Il Nam seems like a, a man with a good heart, but also... He's on his last legs of life. He has a tumor in his head. And it seems like he wants to, more than anything, he wants to just have, do something wild for the last, like, few days he has left on the planet. Yeah, his motivation is vague. It's like, what is he really here for? Why is he also the only elderly person? Mm -hmm. If it was by by all age groups, why isn't anyone else here older? Why isn't anyone very, very young? Yeah. So he's a very curious character, he, but he does seem to have a great heart, and he and Gihun develop a really um, fatherly son um, bond and connection. And then I would say the employees themselves are the final group of characters where they also seem like they're trapped as well in their roles, and it makes you think what they had to do or what their pasts look like, what their debts look like for them to be stuck in these positions of horrible crimes, which you could maybe argue it's like, if you were in debt and you had to pick, which role would you do being a constant accomplice to murder or competing in games to the death? Probably the the first one, but still you're committing horrible acts. Yeah, I mean, it's you don't think they're – you think that they're people who were probably paid very well in the first episode. But then in the second episode when you see they all have their own like cells is where they stay with a bed and, and just like a, a table and that's it. And they have very strict regimens and – uh, they have no freedom basically at all. They can't even show their identities to each other. So it's really definitely these people are – they're probably both in heavy amounts of debt and maybe they're all criminals who are trying to get maybe out of jail or something, something like that. So it's you can only imagine what their pasts look like. So even they are under the control of the elites. And overall – it's it's a ton of interesting concepts in this in this show, but I would say before we continue, if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have some brand new laptops on our desk. These are courtesy of LG, the 17-inch LG Gram ultra lightweight laptops. The cool thing about them is their 16 by 10 aspect ratio, which means more vertical space, phenomenal for editing our videos and for referring to our notes. The displays themselves are exceptional. We love watching movies on these these laptops in general. Also, very, very light. Lightest laptops I've ever held in my life. We'll put links in our YouTube bio of this video for the LG Gram 16 and 17-inch models. Thank you, LG and LG Gram, for the laptops and for sponsoring the show this year. We have another great sponsor for all you writers who or people who are interested in screenwriting. Arc Studio Pro has teamed up with us to offer a very special deal. Head on over to Arc Studio Pro slash Raiders to get $30 off your membership. Now, if you want to write screenplays, the formatting and look of your script is the most important element. Now, Arc Studio Pro provides users with a ton of perks to help you in your screenwriting process, including apps for your desktop or phone, online collaboration with co-writers, so it's like using Google Documents, super helpful outlining tools, revisionist management, and links to feedback. I cannot recommend Arc Studio Pro enough to help you with your screenwriting needs. Head on over to our special link, arcstudiopro.com slash Raiders, and start writing today. All right, now let's dive into episode one of Squid Game, and this is going to be Red Light, Green Light. Hoping to win easy money, a broke and desperate Gihun agrees to take part in an enigmatic game. Not long into the first round, unforeseen horrors unfold, and I think this episode does a tremendous job of setting up the characters 
setting up their motivations, their pasts, their current lives, specifically Gihan. We learn about all of his his troubles and some of them self-caused, some of them being let go from his job. And, you know, he's still living at home with his mom, his daughter. One, his daughter loves him still, but she's disappo- kind of embarrassed by him. She's embarrassed for yeah. sure, and she seems to be like more mature than he is. And you know, he's <laughs> a very immature person. He's very kid-like and innocent, though, at the same time. And he's enticed by that salesman to join those games after they play um, Jackie. This and this ep- this is the funniest episode. It, I was cracking up watching this, and it, it's very charming. And Gihon's as pathetic as he is. He ha- does have some comedic moments, and it really draws you in. Um, I think Korean cinema has a great blend of dark comedy that is hard to pull off and it's definitely heavily used in this uh, opening episode as well. And, you know, Gihan, for some reason, we think this man is a random stranger in the train station, but then once he pays him and offers him uh, a chance to enter these games, then we learn that this guy knows everything about Gihan and it's very mysterious and even troubling for him. Yeah, because Gihan's current state of life is even if he gets money what's he do with it he bets it on horse races his mother gives him some allowance just to take his daughter out for a nice fried chicken dinner that's all he was supposed to do she even gives him extra money to and get he even her steals present. from her yeah and he steals more from her yeah. with the debit card that she uses and he uses it's actually funny when he tries to sneak into her with her pin <laughs> you number don't, you don't remember her birthday <laughs> oh her birthday he's like no she goes it's by the lunar it's lunar it changes every year <laughs> it, it's horrible to see that that he's stealing from his mother but it's also it's comedic at the same time yeah. And um, so he takes advantage of his mother, and it's his daughter's birthday. He steals from his mom. Then he bets all that money on horse races. He loses all day until the final one. He wins, miraculously, a ton of money, only to be pickpocketed. And then when he gets pickpocketed, and he also gets accosted by all the people he some of the people he owes intense debt to, yeah. he, unwilling, unknowing to him, signs his life away yeah. for, on a waiver that he doesn't know what it is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And and then Gihon, as crazy as this sounds, he calls a number because he is that desperate. And the odds, the idea of winning a lot of cash seems to be a good idea to him at the time. And that's when he's reunited with uh, Sangwoo. Yeah, where they all are basically, you could say, kidnapped in a way, even though they signed their lives away, gets inside that van. He's like, oh, everyone must be tired. <laughs> yeah, everyone must be sleepy. <laughs> and then he gets knocked out too, and then they all wake up in this giant room with all these bunk beds everywhere, and everyone's wearing the same like green tracksuit. It's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, I love the green jumpers. It's really great. It's, because I read that the director, he put that in because those are the kinds of outfits he wore at gym class. And I'm assuming he chose green to make it for money. money. Make, oh, yeah. Maybe it's kind of be. ironic where yeah. they're covered in green even though they can never touch it, really. So metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> That's a parasite quote. <laughs> and then they learn the rules and they they learn that they are going to compete in a series of games and that um, there will be a hefty reward for those who win um, throughout the entire set of games. The clauses that every player agrees to are every player must compete, any player who won't compete will be eliminated, and if the majority of players vote to leave, the games will, will to end the games, they will stop and everyone will leave. So those are the three main clauses that they all sign while they're there. And I, and I love when everyone's together and they all wake up and some of them, are, they're all upset. They're like, you kidnapped us. We didn't agree to this and we're, you should let us out of here. I don't want to be here. This should be illegal. You, you, t- you took us all, you put us all to sleep and you brought us here in these weird clothes and these bunk beds. And then the, 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 what would you call them? The employees, the, the, guards. the staff, I would say yeah. they they're like, you, first of all, y'all agreed to do this. <laughs> y'all signed your lives away. And also, 
check out all this money that you're going to win if you win. So they show the cash prize. Or they talk Once about they show it. the piggy bank. And they show the piggy how big bank it is. and how it comes down from the ceiling. Then everyone's like, let's go. Sign me up. I don't care what we have to do. If we get eliminated, so what? We just go home. No big deal, yeah, right? Yeah. But not so not so big deal. But then they go into the the playroom and it's this giant Well before that, I love the journey there. Oh yeah, yeah. Going through those the upside down stairwells mm-hmm. and like the I guess you would call that the um the staircase, what's it called? That never ends. Oh the, parado- yeah. the paradox yeah. staircase yeah. Yeah. it kinda looks like. Yeah, it looks like it. And they all get their photos taken. Yeah. And it's like no one's taking it like no one knows the stakes yet. But I, I love the aspects of human nature that are throughout the entire show. Like when it says smile on the screen for your photo and everyone just does a straight face, but Gee Hun, he's like, Oh, I'll cheese and smile for this because I don't know what it's for. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's <laughs> he's and then there, but there's a couple of guys that like mess around with their photos and there's that guy that makes a funny face and I was like that guy's gonna die first I bet <laughs> I was right <laughs> because it's a memorable image his photo yeah and so then when he dies you have like a connection to him when they show his face on the screen that's a great point yeah all right go into what you're talking about and so when they enter the arena it seems to be like a giant like outdoor like play area like where you would have gym class outside or, or play like a sport. And then this now this character this girl robot that that character is famous in Korean culture and there's a boy opposite of her as well usually so Korean culture they know this but for us it's completely new and I think that us not knowing have any familiarity with the little girl makes it very freaky to see this like giant robot and when they first stepped out there I thought that immediately you saw the fake walls with the real ground and I thought are they indoors this is like a giant factory or something but then you see the sunlight pouring down it's like oh it's like a giant fenced in arena yeah. outside somewhere it's it's in the world it's yeah. out, outdoors and then we end up learning it's a giant island like James Bond style and then they the the woman robot voice says the rules and they're playing red light green light you're like oh it's no big deal playing red light green light and yeah, <laughs> we all know this if you lose no big deal you just leave and, and the, yeah those two guys the two punks they're like oh I got I'm gonna beat you they get they're like this is no problem and that one guy sprints ahead yeah. and he starts to stumble when the robot turns around on red light and boom the first and then he gets taken out and it's insane but he drops down and no one knows if he like what happened to him like there's no they don't see the blood they heard the bang yeah but they they're not sure what happened to him because then his friend has to go up to him and see is like is he okay and then he sees blood pouring out of his mouth then we know oh my god and then in the second round multiple people get blown away and then th- i love this because it looks like half the group panics and runs away and tries oh, yeah. to escape, yeah. and they just get obliterated. But then the other half of people seem to be using their heads and understanding, like, if I move, I'm going to get shot. So half of them stay frozen. It's pretty terrifying to see, like, it's like almost 200 people get gunned it's down slaughter. In, in just seconds. It's yeah. crazy. It's one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen. And as soon as it started, I was like, this is the most in- nuts, insane show I've ever seen in my life. It's very disturbing. It's probably the most disturbing part of the show. It's intense. For sure. And it, like, this is an example of if you don't like this kind of stuff, you sh- probably should stay away from the show because it'll disturb you. But this is what roped me. And I saw this and I'm like, not that I enjoy this kind of stuff, but like it was wild. Yeah, it's it's entertaining to see. That's what it is. Violence in a terrible it's, it's way. It's like a, it's like a Tarantino movie. You know what I mean? It's it's insane. Yeah. And then, but you know, then they're trying to progress along throughout the uh, the course and red light, green light, and we get to the final. What is it like? But also, there's a time limit. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you don't make it in time, you're gonna get killed too. And that applies to pretty much all the other games as well. In the sh- in, yeah. throughout the the Squid Games. Yeah, because otherwise, it's pretty. It would be a pretty easy game to win. Just like take a step every time. And then we learn that being eliminated means you get killed. Yeah. So even if you 
make it through red light green light if it, if the time expires you're going to get killed as well yeah and but everyone just all the main characters barely get out and again gihon is saved by ali with that great moment where he just grabs him in midair and he's hang, hanging at an angle and it's like mission impossible style it's like you're strong as an ox yeah and then then he made they both managed to jump over the line just in time and those remaining after the time limit on the field still get uh blown away and it is shocking and the entire the entire group is just stunned by what they just saw absolutely insane yeah and so that pretty much is the end of episode one which is is wild how about we we run to our intermission before we continue Let's, we're, we're let's about halfway through. Let's run over, man. Yeah, let, let's do that. So we'll do our intermission, and we'll begin with our movie quote competition. And apparently Anthony's been working on his for hours, his entire intermission. Days. He said, he said, hey, man, Days. I've been doing this since last week, just this one intermission, and I hope I stump you. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a quote from me, and this was from a fan, Craig Coleman. I don't care if he's Muhammad. I'm hard Bruce Lee. You can't change fighters. Say it again. I'll do it actually in the accent. I don't care. Hold on. <laughs> I'm terrible at accents. Do a British accent. Cheerio, mate. I don't care if he's Muhammad Amhad Bruce Lee. You can't change fighters. Bill, you can't change fighters. It's Snatch. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Nice. Good job. Thanks. All right. And then this one's me. Yeah. A landlord's dream. A paralyzed tenant with no tongue. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Detec- uh, Detective Dave Mills. Best tenant he's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my quote. I think I must have one of those faces you can't help believing. Is that Tom Ripley? No. Nah. No. On the right track, though. I think I must have one of those faces you can't help believing. Oh, man. That's tough. Sounds so familiar, too. Ah, uh, it's not a serial killer. It's like a like a robber or something like that. Who? What is it? Norman Bates. Oh, there is a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> I told you you were on the right track. I should have stayed with serial killers. Yeah. Anyways, I lose. Let's move on. You to... don't lose. There's still four left. Three left. <laughs> I better I better not get eliminated. <laughs> Guess this movie release year. Old boy. Two thousand four. Two thousand three. Oh man, damn it. Here. Guess this movie release year. 101 Dalmatians, the animated film. Whoa, that's an oldie. 1992. 61. 1961. <laughs> that might be the worst. 31 years. That might be the worst guess. <laughs> Would you say 93? 92. Thir- 31 years. I think that's the worst. I think it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna ask '90s because we saw it in the '90s, but it was it always feels a like a '90s. It was always a re-release. Movie. Yeah, you're right. This Even the animation movie. is super old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 31 years. All right, movie pop Oof. quiz. How many Oscars did Bong Joon Ho win for Parasite, and how many did the win film total? Did the film win in total? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said how many did the win film total? <laughs> did I? Yeah. How many did the win film total? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Drug Pink Kingler over here. <laughs> so, in total, the film won director, screenplay, best picture. Um, Bong Joon Ho won three. Yes, and the film, the film itself won four. Yeah, can you guess them all for bonus credit? Okay, so for bonus points, best picture. Yep. <laughs> best director. Yep. Best um, 
Cinematography? No. Shoot. Oh, production design? No. Oh, man. Editing? No. Oh. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho won three, so what's his third? Oh, screenwriting, yeah. obviously. Um, What's the fourth? Man, the fourth? You're going to punch yourself. None of those? It's kind of obvious, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Score? No. I already said that. I don't know. Best international feature. Oh, my God. <laughs> Obviously. It's almost as bad as the 31 year guess. Oh, man. No, it's not. There's nothing will be worse than 31 years off a movie guess. <laughs> <laughs> that will never be topped. <laughs> that was a good question. Oh, man. Obviously, that's like a trick question international film. It was a trick question. Yeah. That's why I liked it. Good one. All right. Here's my quiz. Who directed When Harry Met Sally? Hmm. Sydney Lumet? Nah. I don't know. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. I knew you were going to say Rob Reiner. I <laughs> and knew it. I was like, before I said, I, I don't know, I was like, say Rob Reiner. <laughs> Is that what happens inside your head? You're just yelling at yourself? Basically. <laughs> say it now. Usually, usually just yelling at myself in my head for all the dumb things I say. <laughs> how many wins did it film this year <laughs> i i want to watch that audio back to see if i actually said that uh, you did say it <laughs> all right let's all right let's move on um who's our hater of the week oh we get a couple do you have a couple prepared any real ones no real ones just a couple of fun ones yeah we've had some great fan interactions lately <laughs> I, have, I have i also have a top comment too okay Bad News Brian said, wow, I can't believe you got a Jack question wrong in an episode where Jack is the main actor. Unsubscribed! What did we get wrong? Uh, something about The Shining. And then uh, Carpio2017 wrote, I like when the other twin does the voiceover for these videos. Unsubscribed! He was talking about me. Like He, wants, he likes when you do it better. He likes my voice best. <laughs> yeah, I'll smooth talk you through this clip. <laughs> and then I, po I posted a American Psycho clip. And someone in Cumpster Zero. I didn't censor some of these names, bro. <laughs> I was reading it live. I didn't even realize. <laughs> oh my god! Technically, it's not a swear word. <laughs> oh my god, Anthony! <laughs> cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks. Unsubscribed. And then my favorite comment of the week was on you posted the Stanley Kubrick killed Stephen King in The Shining clip. Yeah. And um, Writer's Block 063 wrote, I think Kubrick should be arrested for what he did to Shelley. And then a dozen of our fans wrote, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then a lot of people were writing, yeah, let's dig him up and <laughs> throw him in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and then some, and then, and then someone wrote the cops right now, and they did emojis—a coffin with a gun pointed at it, and the, co and the cop. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god. Oh man, it's killing me. Oh FYI, cool with the anti-Semitic remarks. That's a quote from American Psycho. We yeah. were not making anti-Semitic remarks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I asked everyone their the best line from the movie. Oh my god, dude, that is funny. I was cracking up, man. <laughs> Sometimes TikTok is very funny. All right, we have two great five-star reviews for our top supporters this episode. And the first one is from Samuel WH. Great listen, these twins double down. Love this podcast. Love my movie buffs. It's hard for me to find a podcast that I like and thoroughly enjoy these days. Great personalities and great content. Wow, thanks, Samuel. Thanks. And then AC... 
One of my favorite podcasts, these guys do an awesome job of breaking down all portions of film, whether it's cinematography, sound, acting, themes, just overall everything. Thank you, AC. Appreciate it, pal. Or IC. I don't know who it is. Um, on this day in film history, today is October 14th. Pulp Fiction was released wow. in 1994. And then happy birthday to the late Roger Moore, Usher, and Ben Wisha, who we just saw in No Time to Die. Yeah, nice. What's your uh, streaming recommendation? Netflix just added Chappelle's show. Chappelle's show. show. Chappelle's show, the original? Yeah. yeah. Is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. What are we doing filming an episode? <laughs> Why don't we go watch it right now? I didn't know that. Pop copy. Dude, let's go. <laughs> I am the manager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let people play it on my phone. If he asks to see a manager, tell him you are the manager. <laughs> uh, we have the black delegation choose Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> love that show. All right, let's move on back to our episode of Squid Game and move on to episode two, Hell. Split on whether or not to continue, the group holds a vote, but their realities in the outside world may prove to be just as unforgiving as the game. And so I love the, the way they open this episode up where they show the burning of the dead bodies and what they do with everybody and they just put them inside those giant furnaces and it's really interesting the way that they have the coffins of of the eliminated dead players they're like they seem like presents or gifts so i think a metaphor for that is it's obviously these lower class citizens are used as gifts or or um sacrifices to the system of the the elite the wealthy capitalism all that kind of just objects yeah yeah exactly and this episode it was it's vital to the show working because the show would not work as well if everyone was held against their will and forced to compete in the yeah. games and so this is this was important for the entire series to really work because everyone they take the vote because a lot of people don't want to continue once they saw that people were going to be getting killed if they lose a game they don't want any part of it they think it's a travesty and horrible so many of the players want to take a vote and like the third rule of the agreement says, if the majority votes that they do not want to continue playing the game, then the games are off and everyone leaves. And I think I made a mistake. I think this is the episode where the piggy bank comes from the ceiling yeah, and the cash Yeah, it's, it's after they see the piggy bank and then they're tempted Because all the cash comes yeah. in because each person who dies, I think, what is it, 100 million won? Over 100 million, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's no, yeah, it's 100 million per person. And then yeah. the overall prize is going to be 45 billion. Yeah, so once they see the cash, then that motivates half the players to vote to keep playing. So it's important because ultimately they do vote to leave the games and to quit because after that, and this is just a quick summary, everyone goes back to their lives and they're all just back to their, their, their situations they were found themselves in, which were so bad they were prompted to go to this game in the first place and they all decide to come back so co them deciding to come back to play in the games voluntarily really makes the show yeah and this episode's great because it shows human nature again so they just were in this massacre world of of a game of red light green light they all come in they're like you gotta get us let's us get out of here we don't want to be here this is insane you're killed you just killed hundreds of people this is this is murder like you should the police should get here they're probably on their way right now and the guards are like check out all this cash you're gonna win and then they start, they start begging to stay. Half of them are like, please let me stay. We'll stay and compete. And then they do the vote. And the, the great and interesting thing about the vote is it's basically 50-50. So there's 201 people left alive after the first games out of 400. And, is it 65? Four, 456. Four, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so Gihan is 456. And so it comes to that 100 to 100 vote where Il-Nam is the, the last one to vote and he decides everything. But I love this vote because it's such a great metaphor for politics and democracy in general. 
because in the end, it's sort of like it doesn't, it almost, not that voting doesn't matter, but it really just comes down to one person for the entire collective unity of this group, what the decision will be, which is interesting. So even though there's a vote, it's kind of doesn't even matter. Yeah, and Ilhan is the one who makes the final vote to stop playing the game. So Ilnam. He, Ilnam. And he votes the X. And so then the games are off. And now, and then everyone, it's the reverse of how they were captured. They're all um, basically held captive again. They get gassed and then they get dropped off on the streets. And, and this, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. And this is such an interesting aspect to the show because obviously I'm sure you've all seen the show. That's why you're listening. Spoiler alert if you're for some reason haven't. At the end of the show, we, we learned that Ilnam, the old man, was one of the organizers of Squid Game. He's running the whole thing, and he joined to get excitement in his life for his, his last like journey, you could say, in life. So it's so fascinating that it's up to him to decide whether the games continue or not, and he votes for it not to continue when he's the one that wants to play in the games. And I think that he's the one who voted the final no because he knew most of them would be coming back. And that's the whole point of the games in his eyes. Like He knows that... They're going to go back to their crappy lives, and then they're going to come running back here. So it'll motivate them even more. Exactly. Because and then they'll get rid of, it'll get rid of like the maybe a couple dozen who don't ever come back. And so now the people that come back are fully committed to the games. Yeah, because once they leave, they just get dumped off. Like Gihan is left with uh, uh, Sabiok, yeah. who is the pickpocket. And then they're all reminded of why they agreed to participate in these games anyways. Gihan, he's, again, he's broke. He's a loser. He's an absent father. His mother needs surgery for diabetes. He tries to get a loan from his ex-wife. His ex-wife's husband ends up giving him money and telling him to stay away from their family. Sung-woo, he's wanted by the police. He's shamed. Even though he gives Ali money in the beginning once they they are left at that like gas station area, he still at this point hasn't lost his humanity yet. Uh, Sebyuk, her brother is in that orphanage and she goes to visit him and he's wondering and hoping that the family can get reunited. Duck Su, he's attacked by the games. He's set up by the, his old friend. So basically, everyone realizes that I need to go back into the games. Exactly. And it's even worth risking my life to do it because... Um, what kind of life am yeah, I living? There's, exactly. I can't get out of my trouble. But if I can get that money, then my life will be much better and it, it's worth it. Yeah, and then also in episode two, Gi Hun, he goes to the police to try to tell them this crazy story. And the, the guy at the police station is like, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But this is where Jun Ho, he overhears Gi Hun telling that police officer this insane wild story. And he's intrigued by it. And he gets the address and information for Gi Hun to try to track him down because he's been looking for his brother. And so he's going to secretly investigate any possible connection to his missing brother with what this group thing that Gihan was talking about. And then when he goes to his brother's room, he finds the exact same strange business card that Gihan had at the gas station. Yeah, with the square, triangle, yeah. and circle. Exactly. So that in intrigues him to follow Gihan, and then he eventually follows the van that picks him up, along with the other players, onto a ferry, makes his way onto that ferry, uh, manages to incapacitate one of the guards, steals his uniform. Well, that's episode three. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just so excited. <laughs> Okay. I guess there's these episodes are shorter than I remember. Anyway. We're almost yeah. there anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But basically, the cards reappear for everybody, meaning everyone's gonna go back in the games, and everyone meets their ride, like you said, and they get knocked out by the gas, and that's when episode two ends. Then episode three begins, and episode three is called The Man with the Umbrella, and a few players enter the next round, which promises equal doses of sweet and deadly with the hidden advantages. Meanwhile, Junho sneaks his way inside, and so the players come back, and this is where Detective Junho cleverly sneaks into the ship, tells his chief, like, hey... I gotta go do this thing. He goes into the car, slides in, and does all that stuff that you just said. Yeah, it's a great way to sneak on. Yeah, so he infiltrates the gang. It's very in the the group in the in the games. It's very clever, and even with the the benefit to him, the guards don't even know each other's personal information. They're all wearing those masks. They're all wearing those suits. So it's very possible for him to do this. And also, Sung Buck, she manages to um, hold her breath when the gas entered the car, so she didn't um, go under. And so she manages to sneak a knife inside the facility this way. Yeah, that she takes off one of the yeah. staffers. And it's a really interesting opening because we get to see the preparation that goes into getting all the game contestants ready, the players, from being inoculated by that smoke to now getting changed into their green workout gym class uniforms and then putting back, getting put inside the bunk beds. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, because the one you first saw it in the, the opening... You're like, wait, did they actually change all these people? And then you see, oh, yeah, they did really change (laughs) all these people. (laughs) And what's really interesting is that uh, the number of players that returned ended up being 93% of the contestants. Which is crazy. The vast majority of players returned to risk their lives to win that money. So it's like over 180 contestants are now competing back in the games. And Mm -hmm. like we said earlier, because Ilnoms probably cleverly did this on purpose, it's now they're even more motivated to enter the games and compete, even though they just witnessed over 200 people get killed. And then through Jun Ho, we get to the perspective of the workforce, the guards at the facility, how they seem to be under the control as well. They don't seem to be free. They seem to be just following orders. And they're prisoners as well. They all have, there's a hierarchy based upon what shape you have on your mask. And then they all live in their own little kind of like t- tiny prison cells, basically. They're not only, they're not allowed to take their masks off. Only when they eat. Only when they eat. And they're only allowed, they have to follow orders and nothing else. And yeah. so seeing that is really an inter- interesting perspective of the show for sure. And when everyone's back and all the players are like inside the, the giant a- area, the sleeping chambers, with the 93% return rate, we also start to see the creation of teams. And now people are starting to work together. They're starting to get to know each other. They're trying to, you know, get together for survival, try to create some sort of herd mentality. Of, it's only natural. You know, it's, it's again, human nature is all over this. What would you do? You would obviously try to get around other people, maybe find strong people or, or intelligent people to help form relationships for when you're playing the games to be advantageous for yourself and try to win each time. I'd join up with you. Would you, man? Yeah, yeah, wow, definitely. Wow, thanks, man. Appreciate no, that. No hesitation. Well, how come you looked away when you said that? I, I just glanced away. You glanced <laughs> twice down. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, I'm sorry, you continue. I was going to say, uh, also, uh, Bang Seok, she enters that vent shaft when her and, um, what's her name? Minyo. Minyo. Uh, yeah, she, they go to the restroom and she's really funny. Like she, when she's, <laughs> she's, she's she, when she's delaying the guard, she's like, "Why won't they come out? <laughs> come out already!" It's like giving birth. <laughs> and meanwhile, she is up through the vents and she discovers that there's a kitchen uh, melting sugar down, making honeycombs. So she gets a, a hint at what the next step could be for the next game. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this is it never really tied in later on. There, there are a bunch of little things throughout the show that- There was no reason for her to see it. Yeah, because like I thought they'd be, she'd be seeing them doing something nefarious. I think what it really is, 
was it was a, another hint for Sang Woo to try to figure out what the game was going to be because he overhears this conversation that something happened, that they saw something. So if it's really just them melting down sugar, I don't think it seemed that important for them to have to break into the vent shaft to see. Agreed. But, I mean, it is it does go to Song Woo and his storyline, but ultimately... I don't think they needed it either. I think what it really was for was South Korean culture for people to try to get hints for them. I think that's what it was. So there, we you have the shapes, you have the triangle, circle, square, um, no, triangle, circle, star, umbrella, and then also sugar. So what do those things have in common? I think that's what it was for, for the South Korean audience to try to figure out. Gotcha. Okay, so it's better for the audience that's more I, than that's, for the actual show. That's what I'm show. guessing, you know? Yeah, we might have a good point there. That The audience might have been like, oh, I bet it's the honeycombs. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, so, because but I, had, I was lost. I had no idea what I was like, what are they, I was like, are they making poison? I don't yeah, understand. I was, like, I was like, who cares about sugar? And then and then I thought that that was like a poison they put in the croissants. Because she wouldn't eat the cookies. Yeah, and I was like, oh, they're poisoning everyone. And then nothing happened. And I was like, so what was that? And then I learned, oh, that's sugar that they're melting down. Because we, you know, it's not a thing. It's not a big in American culture, honeycombs. And so I had no idea what a honeycomb was until this show came out. The only time I've ever seen honeycombs was on honey nut cereal commercials. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's yeah, about it. That's Other it, than yeah. that, I've never held a honeycomb or, or, yeah. or played a game called honeycomb yes. or whatever. So we had no idea. I, I thought it was poison. I thought the croissants were poisoned. That's why she didn't eat it. And then she let it. Um, and then she gave it to someone else. Um, and then nothing ever came from that. But also the doctor, when he eats his cookie, he un- he finds like a little note inside of it. And he yeah. looks at it. We don't get to see what it is, but he like smiles and eats the whole thing. So that's going to be a hint. And we learn later on how he's doing the surgery for organ extraction, with which Anthony is a basically an expert on in the black market. Yeah. Apparently, it's good money that they're doing on the side. So he gets the the hint at what the next game is. For to try to make sure he can survive through each level, through each game, to keep going with the black market surgery extraction of organs. Exactly. <laughs> and then we get into the game. But also, Junho, we learn he's infiltrated the staff, but he's also taken over the identity of number 29. So they're numbered. They're not names. And Song Woo, he, under- he, gets, he doesn't confirm it, but he seems to understand that it's going to have something to do with honeycombs, the, ne- the next game. And then when they get into inside the playground... In the arena, he see they see that there are four doors with a different shape at each door, and each player just has to pick one randomly. And that crew, they're like, he suggests, he's the one who suggests it's better not to put all our eggs in one basket. And, and he he, he has picks, figured it out. He picks the simple, the most simple shape, the triangle. And you and you can tell before he even says that he has figured out what the game is. Everyone like Gihan's like trying, like all right, everyone, rack your brain, let's work together to figure out what this obstacle could be. Who knows? And then uh, Sang Woo, this is the first time we see. His true colors of he'll do anything to win. He'll lie about not recognizing what the game is. He'll even let his friend, his childhood friend, Gi-hun, possibly die. And even when Gi-hun selects, I'll take the umbrella because my mother always gave me crappy umbrellas because I broke them. It's this fun story, this little anecdote, which is the reason why he picks the most challenging and almost impossible shape to extract from the honeycomb. And... All Sang Woods does is say, are you sure you want to do the umbrella? He's like, yeah, why not? What's the big deal? He's like, all right, bro. Because he's uh, like a passive loser, he's the last one to pick because, you know, he's the weakest link at this point in the story. And so being a, a passive person, they're like, they'll let the others, more dominant people go before them. And that even that comes into play later on when they have yeah. to pick those vests, yeah. which is pretty interesting how the reverse happens. And then this is a really great moment because when they all get their little jars and they begin opening them up, we get to see that, oh, so they're the honeycombs with the shape kind of etched into each one. 
and the objective is to use a little pin, a little needle, to scrape out your shape without breaking it at all. And then when Gihan sees his umbrella, and he sees that other people have the simple shapes, like Songwoo has the, the triangle, he's like, oh crap, I'm done for. Yeah, the recognition of everyone in the games to what they get. Everyone who gets triangles is like, oh my god, thank god I have triangle, it's yeah. honeycomb. But even circles are like, oh crap, I have to yeah. do this. And the stars are like, oh this is going to be almost Even the impossible. star stuff. But, but the, the umbrella group, they're like, I am so dead. It seems like an impossible shape to pull out of it. But what's so great about this scene is kind of everyone uses their own um, ingenuity to to successfully extract their honeycomb. Well, the main characters, obviously, Sangwoo doesn't really have to worry about it. The triangle is the easiest one. So everyone has triangle, pretty much passes, I believe. Um, Il Nam has the circle, which is also pretty difficult, right? Or no, he has no, the, no, he has he, the umbrella. Has, yeah, no, he has a star. The star? Yeah. Okay, you're right. And then, um, oh, Ali has the circle, which yeah. he does with the needle. And then, um, Mi Nio, she uses the lighter, which she snuck in for smoking cigarettes, which yeah. was clever, to heat up her needle and then to scratch out her star, yeah. which she also gives to Bak Su to create a relationship. Dak Su. I'm sorry. To create Jesus, do you even speak Korean? I don't. <laughs> don't speak any <laughs> Korean. I'm sorry for the mispronunciations. She gives the needle, I mean the lighter, to, to Dak Su because she's she's a calm woman. She's intelligent. She's going to try to make a relationship with the strongest person, the alpha of the group, mm -hmm. and help him get out of the games too for later help for future games and then Gi Sun he's working I mean Gi Hun is working so hard on the umbrella it seems like it's going to be impossible he begins to sweat on it and he realizes the moisture is melting the honey which makes it easier to extract so he starts licking the hell out of it he, he starts licking the back of it mm -hmm. because that's the weakest part of it and he can get to the the etching faster by licking the back of it. Yeah, and then Il Nam watches him do it and does the same thing to his star. And by the end of the games, everyone's licking their the back of their honeycomb. But also at the same time, people have been getting their heads blown off, which Left is and crazy. Right. Yeah, point blank. Up close, just every every staffer is holding a revolver, watching them all. And as soon as there's a crack in your shape, you get your head blown off. Yeah, the first the first player who cracked their shape. They just like looked up and then the guards is just a pistol right in their face and it's like, oh my god. But our main characters, they all pretty much they all survived and you know, it takes a while before they start taking them out. But there's that one person in the umbrella group who cracks at the end and then he takes that one staffer hostage with the gun and then he has to see his face. He shows him that he's just a kid, like no younger than his son. Then he kills himself. And because the staffer showed his face, the front man kills him. He says, once they see your face and know who you are, it's over. Yeah, exactly. It's a crazy episode. Really, really excellent third one. Absolutely insane. Then episode four, moving on. Is that everything from episode yeah, three? Yeah, that's everything, yeah. yeah. So episode four is stick to the team. As alliances form among the players, no one is safe from the dorm after lights out. The third game challenges Gihan's ability Team, uh, G, uh, team to think strategically. So now this episode is pretty well because all these people survived the the honeycomb game, and now now that there have been teams forming and you know social hierarchies being formed, there are, there are different structures going on in the group. There's about to be a lights out situation because they are basically starving them. They have less rations than the last time they ate. All they get this time is an egg and a soda. And um, Duck Su and his new crew, they skip the line and go, they, they get their servings, then they go and skip the line later on and get seconds. And because of this, because there wasn't enough food offered, some people didn't get enough food because there's the exact number of people who survived. It causes that woman, woman, one woman to rat out Duck Su, which was not the smart thing to do, apparently. I believe that's incorrect. What did I say wrong? I believe that the 
the masked man perp says they purposely uh, put less food out than there are people to cause this to happen. Doc Su and his crew didn't actually cut in line. No, they did cut in line. No, no, I believe I I think that they purposely put less food out. I think that's what I'm pretty sure that's what the masked man says. No, but do, remember they do cut. So remember Doc Su. He goes in line. He's like one of the first ones to get an, a an egg and soda. He's like, this is all we get. And then I'm, does, I thought they cut in line again. No, they don't cut in line again. It's a misunderstanding because there's no food. And that man thinks he goes to the first thing in his head because he saw Duck Sue cut. He assumed that they went for seconds. But then the masked man reveals they purposely put out less food. The, the guard says they purposely let, put out less food to cause the fight to begin. Not to them. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the catalyst for the fight because then Doc Sue beats the band to, beats the man to death. And then rather than anyone coming like to stop it, the guards instead come in with a new coffin and take that man away. And then money falls into the piggy bank. And then that shows – that teaches everyone that if you die – you're eliminated from the games. And it's it's not it's also if you die here, it yeah. doesn't matter if you die in the games. Yeah. So I can kill someone here and that still adds to the to the money bank. So it was all a scheme to spark a riot from breaking out, basically, which is yeah, very clever. Yeah. But also before all that happens, when they come from the honeycomb game, Gi Hun, he seems to know obviously that Sang Wu lied and he says, Don't worry, how could you know what it was? And I thought this was this was gonna come up later on. I think it seemed like the filmmakers really insinuated that Gihan realized that Sangwoo was lying and that Sangwoo knew what the game was and he purposely chose Triangle because it's the easiest one. But this never came to play later on. I thought that Gihan would kind of pull it out of his back pocket like, oh, what about when you did this? Yeah. And that he was just kind of saving it as a wild card or something. Same thing. I, I was expecting it to pop up again as it well. It never got touched again. I, yeah. th I thought it was going to come up. I thought it seemed like an important moment for him to use, but I guess they, they kind of threw it away. Maybe it was in the original script before they turned it into a TV show. Because it makes uh, Gihan look like a real idiot if he doesn't understand that Sangwoo really knew that. But you can tell Gihan knew. Like, it, it, I think they really made it show that Gihan understood what happened. Yeah, again, they didn't deliver on something they set up. Because he kept looking at him like, dude, I know what you did. Yeah, 100%. But I guess they just, they just scratched it. Yeah. And then this episode is just crazy because, you know, full-on tribalism takes place in this, you know, it's a war. Because once the players learn that I can kill other players in here and it will eliminate other people from the game and give us more prize money... You know, it gives them incentive to just kill as many as possible. And yeah, it's a it's a really ruthless battle. And Duck Su obviously sparks that as soon as the lights go out, the fighting starts, and he's mm -hmm. the first person to draw first blood. They drew first blood, which is insane. And a lot of people die, and the lights come on later on. Even though our our mo our lead characters all survived, even Ilnam, the old man, is up top on top of like eight bunks. How do you get up there? <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's a very horrific sequence because, especially with the, at first it's dark. But then it's the strobing light, which is crazy. Yeah, and it's a wild scene, and a lot of players are killed. I think it's like 26 players are killed in that in that fight. And also what's going on with Jun Ho is he's starting to climb the ranks. So he goes from, I think, what he was a triangle first, with, which is the lowest. circle on, first. On the, circle is the lowest yeah. of the hierarchy. And then he becomes a, a square, square, which yeah. is like the leaders of the staffers. But also, he's someone is suspicious of him. Number twenty eight is growing suspicious of him. Keeps looking his direction because at first Junho has trouble opening his door with the key, and then um, his neighbor is also coughing in Morse code. Um, number twenty nine, telling the telling the operators to be suspicious of twenty nine. Or he's either that, or he's trying to talk to twenty nine. Like twenty nine, what are you doing? Oh, maybe 
Oh, you might be right. It could be either one yeah, of those. Not, that wasn't clear either, I, I would think it's say. because they're next door. That's why they're doing that. But also, yeah, you, no, that's got to be right because twenty, the old 29 was involved in the organ yeah. selling with yeah, 28. 28 and 29 were involved. So in that's that. definitely why. I was confused. I thought that 28 was trying to alert that t- the um, workforce that 29 was acting weird. No, no, because no one else knows what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, we both were mistaken about two things. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's, not everything was super clear in the show. It can be a little, you yeah. know, if you're not paying super close attention, which I thought I was. Yeah, me too. But it's good. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. But also, when they all wake up, they start to exchange names. Do they Actually, do they exchange names and start to build personal relationships before the lights go out? Yeah. I believe so. Oh, yeah, I think so. Which is pretty, which is a great way to keep your team building alive. Mm-hmm. And then... um. And then Gihan manages to convince Sung Buck to join their team. Yeah, so the night's over, and it was horrible. And then the next game is going to begin, so what they have to do is they have to make teams of tens as they're entering this next round of games. And this is where a lot of prejudice starts to happen with this South Korean group where prejudice against women. No one wants women on their team of ten. We can't have what they say is a weak team because we don't know what the challenge is going to be. It could be what they think is they could they're all saying it could be strength based. So we don't want any any weak links on our on our team because Duck Sue's team knows it's tug of war. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So because the, the doctor, doctor knows. Yeah. So the doctor knows that they need a strong team. So they, they think that having a woman would weaken their team, you know, which obviously we learn is not the case of what happens because the strategy is all that matters. And so, and also this is when Doc Sook betrays Manio because after they have sex in the bathroom, she says never to betray him, betray her, betray her. And if he does, she'll kill him. Oh yeah. And then right when they have to pick teams, he enters, when he knows that it's tug of war, he's like, go play with another team. We'll, we'll team up again later. Cause he, he doesn't want her on his team. And then she's like, I told you I'd kill you if, I, <laughs> if you betrayed me. <laughs> and so they end up picking all their groups of 10 and it's the lead characters, obviously, and then Il-Nam and Gihan, Sang-Woo, Ali, and then we have uh, Se-Byuk and the other woman. I can't, I can't remember her name at the moment. Yeah. Um, and so then they all go in and they realize it's tug of war and uh, Duck Su's team is like, oh, yeah, we got Let's this, go. guys. Yeah. We're going to totally win. And obviously all the other teams, they, they think they're they're not going to win. But then especially Gihan and Sang-Woo's team because they have this elderly 80-year-old guy with a brain tumor like, how are we going to win now? Yeah. But we learn through Il-Nam's wisdom as they're going on the elevator. Well, actually, the first tug-of-war game was insane. Yeah, we Duck see the rules, team. And uh, Duck Su, they destroy the other group. And as soon as the people start coming over across the edge with the rope, the what, what would that thing called? The guillotine, yeah. right? That comes down and slices the rope and everyone just falls 100 feet to their death. Yeah, it's crazy how high it is. And then it's nuts when like the, the tractor machines, the, the oh, yeah. trucks come just to like pick them up and carry them away it's wild sounds man. like a construction site <laughs> but yeah but then um the the main cast team they go up against a, a difficult team they think they're gonna like easily lose it's they another no all-male team yeah all-male team and um ilnan re- teaches them the tricks of the strategy of the tug of war game because he played it a lot when he was younger another hint that he's behind all of this and he he teaches them the strategy of how to use your body, how to plant yourself to make a strong base in order to have the first team. The idea is to make a strong base and foundation, have the first team use all their strength for the first 10 seconds, and they won't be able to move you if you're all unified in this base formation. And then after 10 seconds, the other team will hesitate for a moment, and then that's when you start pulling with your team without have you haven't used any of your strength yet, so you have an advantage from that moment. Yeah, so they do that technique where they all have on either side of the rope, they all tilt back to have like their heads like almost f- 
towards the ground so yeah. you can see the person behind you. And then they wait for someone on the other team to slip, which the front guy does, and then they start pulling. But unfortunately, the other team starts to win after they think they're about to pull the flag through the through the uh, circle. And then Sang Wu last second comes up with the idea: if everyone jumps a pace forward, everyone jumps three paces forward, it'll catch them off guard. They'll all fall down. Then we'll be able to pull them off guard and, and win. And it, it's like you got to do this or you're gonna die. Yeah. And they do it in. It's they a cliffhanger. It. It's they a cliffhanger. Barely... That's the oh yeah, that's it's a cliffhanger. That's crazy. Shh. And now we will reveal the cliffhanger now. In episode five. <laughs> episode five. Wow, I was on the edge of my seat. A fair world. <laughs> Gihan and his team take turns keeping guard through the night. The masked men encounter trouble with their co-conspirators. This episode's insane. And so we go back to the tug of war that's happening, and they do their lunge forward uh, with Sangwoo's immediate, like, save-the-day strategy, and it works. And the other team loses and dies and plunges yeah, to the Yeah, the other team falls down, and they manage to never fully gain their footing as they're dragged off the board. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, crazy. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's wild. And But before we continue, how about we just talk about for a second, if I was stuck inside Squid Game, I better <laughs> hope that while I'm there, I snuck in my Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost Podcast at manscaped.com. You get 20% off your Lawnmower 4.0 and all products and free shipping. This brand new groomer is skin safe, has a 7,000 RPM wireless charger, built in light. It's amazing. Fellas, get on Manscaped if you haven't already. Not only does it help the show and keep the lights on for us to keep our sponsorships alive. These are gifts that you're actually going to use. I swear, everyone listening, if you got a guy in your life, if you need to get them a gift for anniversary, birthday, holidays are coming up, uh, take a hint gift, I highly, highly recommend getting on Manscaped.com. Their products are fantastic. Their performance package is so cool. It's a bundle of gifts like their lawnmower, weed whacker, some men's wipes, deodorizers. Their boxer briefs are super comfortable. Tons of goodies on this website. Over 2 million men worldwide are using this. So use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout from Manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping worldwide. I have to tell you about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders15 off to get 15% off your order today. If you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of TV shows like Squid Game, there's no better way to express that love than by decorating your place out with a ton of posters of your favorite shows and, and movies. If you're looking at our set online, we have a bunch of these amazing posters. These are high-quality things. This is high-quality stuff, everyone. MoviePosters.com has all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are, they can handle it. And also, they have pretty much every single movie and show imaginable at their dispense. Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our promo code Raiders15 Raiders 15 off to get 15% off your order today. Back to episode 5 of Squid Game. So the team manages to successfully survive the first—I mean, the, the game of tug-of-war when they go back to the barracks— Duck Sue's team is like, how did they win? How did they win? They have this team and they they somehow beat that other team. This is crazy. And throughout this night, we have a night watch and barricades because the last night was horrible. And it seemed like Duck Sue was ready to do this again for another night. But Gi Hun, very cleverly, he does a bunch of intelligent things throughout the show, even though he's kind of a dummy the first few episodes. He puts doubt in Doc Su's mind about his team and his his co-conspirators and, and everyone around him, thinking like, if you sh you're worried about us, if I was you, I'd be worried about all the people around you because if I was going to take somebody out, I'd go for the strongest person here, which you clearly are. And that makes Doc Su think like, you know what? 
I need to like look after myself tonight. Let's not start a war, even though everyone else was expecting they were gonna do it again. It's really smart. Yeah, it's a great scheme. And then also, this is an episode in which someone nearly breaks out. You know, the doctor. There's a, a situation during the organ surgery, and um, so this, so so he gets pulled away, and yeah. he's he's extracting more organs, and he's kind of sick of the way he's being treated. And the guards, the staffers, they don't know what the next game is. He's like, "This is BS. Yeah. Why am I doing this all night every night? If you don't even if you can't even get me the name of the next game, he's like, go upstairs and get me the, the name." And he holds one of them hostage, and then he kills him and escapes. And so. Also, at the same time, Jun Ho is getting mixed up with this stuff because of his under his uh, secret identity. Yeah, so he, he and 28, they go on the journey to deliver the organs yeah, while so, that's happening. Which he, he's like, you got to have to do this diving drop yeah. off. And John Ho's like, John Ho's like, uh, okay, yeah. let's do that. But um, so the doctor escapes. He gets chased down by that staffer who chases him to where they played the honeycomb game. And he's trying to talk him down. He's like, don't worry. We can still solve this. We still have control over all the video cameras. You're not on the feed. We can we can solve this. We can salvage what's going on. I'll go upstairs and get you the name of the next game so that you're prepared to, to survive it, hopefully. And then, which kind of comes out of nowhere, the front man and a bunch of other staffers just kind of walk in. Yeah, so what happens is that, and then the guard, the guard takes off his mask to, to earn his trust. And then he steps behind the doctor and pulls out a knife and he's about to kill him. And then suddenly there are 30 guards in the room with the masked man and they kill the, the guard. And it's like, how did nobody hear or see them enter the room? That's a moment of the show where I was like very much taken out of it. Like that's impossibility. But also, well, actually, I think before he kills him, this is where the front man gives a pretty interesting speech where he's talking about how they tilted the... They tilted the, the what they were trying to create in terms of fairness and equality, that they're trying to create equality in the games because out there in the real world, none of these people live equally. There isn't equality. It doesn't exist. But in here, we can give them equality, and you broke that principle. You took that away from them by giving this, basically giving the doctor hints at what the game was going to be, which helped other players as well. But obviously, they, they knew that for the tug-of-war game that they needed to have as strong a team as possible to win. And so then he blows their heads off. Yeah. It's a, it's a great um, moment of, of the show for sure. And then also Jun Ho kills number 28 and he sneaks into the, the file room and he manages to go through all the files and he finds his brother's name in a list of champions and he won in 2015 apparently. And then he goes to the binder of Squid Game 2015, sees all the contestants and then he sees his brother's photo there, although we don't see it yet. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. But the cool thing is the file room, it's inside the front man's like private suite. Yeah. So he broke into the front man's suite, which is pretty epic. Mm -hmm. And then we're moving on to episode six, which is Ganbu. And so actually Ganbu refers to back in season in episode five, where they were doing the night watches and Gihan and Ilnam were in the first watch. And this is where they made that agreement where they're going to become Ganbu. And Ganbu is a, a very friendly term in Korean culture and refers to like basically like your best friend who you do everything Buddies. with and you 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 share everything. You, You're my Ganbu. Yeah, we're me and Anthony are Ganbus. And so it, it's really nice and endearing. And so in this episode, players pair off for the fourth game. Gihan grapples with a moral di dilemma. Sang Woo chooses self-preservation, and Sebyuk shares her untold story. This is the best episode. Yeah. Um, this is the marble game. And so all the contestants, they have to get into pairs uh, to compete in the next games. And so what happens is... Well, can I say one thing first? 
Of course you before use that, of course, Ganbu. Before that, <laughs> we should call each other Ganbu more often. Be- before the game starts, the guards come out to everyone and they apologize for the unfairness that was going on. And we're supposed to be living in a democratic society that we've created inside the Squid Game. So we apologize for that, which is so interesting. For all the people we killed, no. But for the, for the unfairness, yeah. we're really sorry about that, guys. It won't, hap- <laughs> it won't happen again. It's so funny how sincere they are, too. Yeah. And so since the contestants are told to select one teammate, Everyone selects the person that they are more most closely connected to. But also, there's more discrimination against women in picking a partner for the next game because, like, it could be another tug of war situation. Exactly. But see, it seems to be like best closest friends pick each other. Like Song Wu picks Ali because they have had a relationship established. No, over... but that's 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 the exact opposite of what you just said. They're not best friends. Gi Han and Song Wu have history, you know. No, but no, but they're not friends though. They have a history, but they're not friends. Yeah, they he, are. And, he and Ali they grew up together. No, yeah, but they haven't spoken in years. But they still grew up together. I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, but you can grow up with someone and not be friends with them in adulthood. But he's not friends with Ali. I think he, no, but that's what I'm saying. I think that he has established a closer relationship with Ali. Which is why he chose him. I strongly disagree. I think he chose Ali because Ali, strength-wise, is the probably the most strongest person there. Because he showed that in the first game when he saved uh, Gi-Hun with just one hand. That is true. He does say he, something he, about his he's strength. He's not picking Ali because he's like, oh, You're I right. like you, Ali. He chooses Ali because if it's a strength thing, I need Ali on my side. He doesn't even acknowledge Gi-Hun. He pretends like Gi-Hun doesn't even exist, you know? It's You're not right. a friend's thing for, You're right. for him. You're right, for because sure. Because Sang-Woo's true colors are shown even more in this episode. But it is a trust thing where people are picking players they trust more than others. You could say that for sure. Because, um, I mean, Gi-Hun eventually chooses Il-Nam, but that's be- that, that's because he's the last one left, you know? And uh, No, it's, he could have chosen that other man, but I think he yeah. does it out of pity. Yeah, also, yeah, out of pity. And also, it's a great character moment for him to choose the old man, you yeah. know what I mean? He, it's, he hasn't lost his morality. Exactly. But then the girls choose each other um, because, you know, they have actually... They seem like they don't get along, but it seems like they could be friends in real life. Well, not... Yeah, but it's also where the discrimination against women where no one wants another woman partner. That's yeah. that's also too, so the two women team up. Yeah, exactly. Besides yeah. the husband and wife, that's the only other situation where there's an, a woman with a man. But that, but we learn in the episode that they could, they definitely get along really well yeah, and they could probably, have had a friendship probably, for sure. But I don't think they chose each other because you seem like a nice guy. It's just because no one else wants them. Yeah, I guess so. I think that, that's just the discrimination aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that's true. I think you're thinking too much, man. It's pretty simple. Hey, I can think however I want. <laughs> I think you're being too judgmental, Gambu. <laughs> you're not my Gambu anymore. But also interesting, when everyone's paired up and they start to enter the new arena, uh, Minio, she has no partner. She couldn't find anybody. No one wanted to be her partner. And she gets taken away and everyone's like, oh, she's totally dead. Yeah, she's effed. And so the game, they enter this arena. It's like this streets of... Uh, a community in, in South Korea, like all these driveways and neighborhoods, it seems like, have been recreated. Also, obviously, fake sets. But um, the the game is going to be you're competing against the person who is your partner, and it's going to be marbles. Each person gets 10 marbles, and the objective is to get the all 20 marbles from you and your teammate for yourself, and you can only extract them by nonviolent methods. And this is a really big wake-up call because everyone realizes that their partner, either their partner or them, are going to die. You know, Gihan realizes either him or the old man is going to die, and everyone else as well. So it's like, they if they knew that, they maybe would have picked someone that they didn't even know. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is where the worst parts of the good people in this episode really are, are broadcast for sure with a light shining on them. Whereas Doc Su... He's already a bad guy. He doesn't really do anything 
shysty. He just wants to comp- he wants to play a new game when he's, he's losing. He's desperate, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's a shysty yeah. move or anything like that. That's actually, it's legal. You know, they approve it. It's like, uh, uh, request approved. So they just changed the game because he's almost losing. But all the other people who are the lead characters, pretty well, it's really just Gihan and Sangwoo. They corrupt themselves in order to win. Yeah, and Sangwoo, this is the big turning point for him because Ali is dominating him in the marbles and by chance he's never yeah, even played marbles never even played before and song Wu, desperate to survive he comes up with a plan of tricking him where he he tricks uh, ali into thinking that hey no they're not going to kill anyone if they don't finish the game so we'll be safe as long as we don't none of us claims victory so what we should do is we should seek other teammates it's kind of a silly thing to think about but ali being naive believes him and thinks it's a good idea and is convinced by him to like go ahead and and so song Wu gathers the marbles and pretends to make a nice necklace out of his shirt for ali to wear around his neck for safekeeping but in reality he secretly transferred a bunch of pebbles into the into a different bag and gave them to ali making it seem as though they were the marbles and so ali and him split up seeking out new team members to help them out when in the next games but in reality, when the time is running out, Ali looks inside of his bag and finds that it's full of pebbles, not marbles. And then Song Wu took all the marbles for himself. Yeah, he's telling him to like go find weak players or people who are still playing and it's undecided yet to try to work together to fix something out. And it's, it's really sad because Ali is such a good-hearted person, although he does commit a crime when he is... Um, when he gets released in episode two, when he causes the, the hand injury of his employer who hasn't mm-hmm. paid him yet he's out of, it's all out of desperation but because of his desperation and you know he's the only immigrant there he doesn't know the culture he doesn't know the games very well he's never played marbles and he trusts song Wu and un like naively and ignorantly trusts him completely doesn't think song Wu would injure him or cause his death but that's exactly what happens it's it's really horrible it's sad it's the first like main character death in the show too yeah it's one of the most tragic parts of the show and then gihan in return ilnan is dominating him as well and suddenly he begins losing his memory and it seems as though his dementia is really taking a toll on him maybe it could be a combination of the stress which is really making it worse and he begins forgetting what number what he called whether whether it was odd or even, and then he keeps asking Gihan, which one did you say or which one did I say? And Gihan begins lying to him in order for to make him win each marble round until eventually he believes he has won until uh, Ilnan reveals that he still has one in his pocket. It's pretty. It's a pretty horrible thing. Yeah. But um, then he finally beats Ilnan, and then. Um, a guard comes over to shoot Il Nam. Well, actually, Il Nam still had one more. Oh, he gave it to him. Yeah, yeah, but he just he ends up yeah. just giving it to him. Um, but you don't see him actually physically die. He's the only person you don't see really die. And he also realize he also confesses to Gihan that like I knew you I, like yeah. you tricked your best friend. Like, yeah, is that what you? How far would you go mm-hmm. here? Not best friend, but your friend. Showing him nefarious side to it. And I like what the girls are doing. They're just playing an arbitrary game where it's just one winner decide all for one match, and they spend the time just talking and getting to know each other. And because mm-hmm. it's Ji Young, let's say let's say Bioki win to save her family because her motivation for what she would do with the money is so much more meaningful than what Ji Young would do because she has no idea what she would do with the money, yeah. and she has no money in her life. And if she got the, if she has nothing in her life, no meaning really. So if she got the money and won, she probably would just waste it all. Whereas. As Ji Young would actually do something important with it. I mean, uh, sorry, yeah. Say, say Byuk would actually do something important with the money. Mm-hmm. And so they just play that one last game. And even though 
G and G Young doesn't even try, and she just lets Sabiuk win the entire game. Yeah, it's very sad. Very sad. And I think it's the strongest episode. It shows how people turn on each other to survive. And I mean, you got the emotional stakes of each character, all the mains, and I think it's by far the strongest one. Yeah, and Duck Sue wins his game when they change to throwing the balls in the hole, and he wins in the last shot. That game looks pretty fun. It's kind of like bocce. Yeah, sort yeah. of. <laughs> then you would beat me. Oh, I dominate bocce. Dominate. He's pretty the game. good, guys. All right, let's move on to episode seven. VIPs. The masked leader welcomes VIP guests to the facility for a front row viewing of the show. In the fifth game, some players crack under pressure and i had been guessing in my head that the brother was going to be the front man i i think that um the first time when the body's discovered i think that was when i was like it's got to be the brother when he sees the license and he like stares at it for a while and the other time when he's when they're tracking john uh john ho down and he's like i want him alive like why would you want him alive so i think the, i i think my, i was getting confirmed hint wise that the brother is actually the front man behind yeah. the mask yeah exactly and then um, what's really great is when the players arrive back into their um, into their room, they find that Manio is still alive, and she's like laughing at them. Wakes and, up from a nap. Yeah, they're like they they let her go back inside because their part of their rules is that uh, the odd person out is uh, pitied rather than eliminated. It's like it's Korean culture where yeah. you don't want someone to be like uh, paid, ostracized, ostracized yeah. from the society. Exactly. Um, Super funny. And also at the same time, this is when the VIPs, which have been constantly being talked about, are starting to arrive on the island, but there's still an intruder on the loose. And the front man knows the intruder has been in his suite. They, that body gets discovered. The wallet says Junho. But again, I think this is when we realize that it's got to be his brother because he stares at that thing for a long time. And then also the contestants are dealing with the aftermath of the last game, especially that husband who defeated his wife with the marble game. And he ends up hanging himself out of regret from it. And the VIPs, they arrive and they all start, they wear those golden animal masks, which are pretty disturbing. Um, they're there to watch the final games in person because nothing beats, their screens are huge, but nothing can beat. And these are obviously probably billionaires and yeah. the ultra elites in the world. There have been a few movies like this where people watch like um, games of like gladiator type games, like that Gerard Butler video game movie. Um, the uh, Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe that came out last year. Yeah. So it actually is a pretty popular kind of genre movie. And then the next game, the players are all put in this room and they're a bunch of mannequins with vests all numbered 1 to 16 and they all must select a vest. And this is where another aspect of human nature. How will people react in a group? What's going to happen? And will you select an early number, a low number? Will you select a high number at the end? Or will you go in the middle? And it's first it's like uh, the herd mentality going for the middle the first people go in there and then a bunch of people start going to the end and then towards the middle and then what's left is is one in 16 even though gihan has been standing there for a while because he was so late to react he him and the last guy are there just staring at one in 16 and now will it be beneficial to go first or will it be beneficial to go last and at the same time the vips are talking or insinuating that it's terrible to go first yeah. and that it's it's good to go last but also not great and then he goes to one but just before he grabs the vest the other player comes up to him and begs him to let him take number one because he wants to finally take action in his life and not be you know the passive man he's been all his life so gihan lets him take number one and then gihan takes 16 and then they discover that the next game is a glass bridge with glass platforms and there are 15 platforms and there's two glass panels on each platform 
you have to choose which one to jump on. One of them is made out of tempered glass, which is very strong. One of them made is, is made out of real glass, which will break with the weight on it. Yeah, and it's called glass stepping stones, and they have a 16-minute time limit. So first player can't believe it because obviously you're going to be dead. But also the irony. It's, it's not great to be at the end of the line because even though all these players will go up and start taking out all the, the regular glass and you'll be able to see which steps will make you across safely, if the time runs out, of people just taking too long, you're going to get killed too. So it's yeah. not great to be last placed. And so human nature and what you do, what you will do to survive takes a huge effect in this episode with this challenge. Yeah. And it's ultimately just like a life or death cha- moment of chance. And people have to choose one of two options, uh, not knowing which one's going to be the one that will save them, which one will be the one that will kill them. So it's, a, it's an impossible choice. All these players have to make until they get to that, um, Duck Sook refuses to keep going forward, and he he's like, if anyone wants to go, you have to go ahead of me. I'm not going to keep going. And then eventually they get to that older man who understands um, from working in a glass factory the difference in the, the way light reflects off of the glass. Going too fast. Oh, I'm just excited. And because Duck Sue, it's such a great concept where... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He, yeah. Someone goes ahead of him, and he kills him, pushes him into the glass to see which one doesn't work. And then Minio comes up, and she's like, oh, don't worry, honey, I'll go. And then she grabs him and she's like, I told you we'd end this together. And she kills the both of <laughs> yeah, them. It's yeah. amazing. It's a payoff to her setup. Yeah. I also love the guy who's ahead and it's his turn to pick. I can't remember which one it is. And he's obviously probably a genius mathematician because oh, yeah, yeah. in his head he's like, all right, so there are like 10 spaces left. I have a 50-50 shot chance at each one. That means I have a 1 in 38,000 shot of making it across. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. You think, like, oh, it can't be that impossible. It's, it's, it's kind of impossible. Yeah, it's insane. And then when they get to the last set, that old man, he's been choosing the correct ones because he can tell the fragments of light between tempered and real glass. So he's been the other players have been following his lead. And then the the masked man turns off the lights and so it becomes a random choice again. And he's doesn't know which choice to make and he's panicking. And Songwu and the other players are realizing that they're running out of time. If they run out of time, they're all gonna be killed. And so with only like eight seconds left. No, no, they use the marble. So he uses the marble. marble. That actually is what Ilnam, what the last marble from Ilnam, ironically, they yeah. used that to try to hear the sound, but he needs another one. Yeah, so he needs the other one, so it's kind of useless even using it. And then Song Wu, with only a few seconds left, he pushes the man onto the, the random glass one and he crashes right through it, killing him. And then the rest of the three players, our main three, they quickly hurry across just in time. Although, um, once the game is over, all of the glass panels explode and a deep shard of glass hits Saibyuk. It right seems the, like right in the torso. We don't know where it is, yeah, but yeah. we see blood Spoilers, whole yeah. cliffhanger. Yeah, you're, you're always jumping ahead. It's another cliffhanger. And the episode actually ends with John Ho escape. escapes from the facility with a diver pack, and the frontman and his minions end up going on pursuit of him with a boat. All right. And so episode eight, ahead of the last round, distrust and disgust run deep among the finalists. Jun Ho makes a getaway, determined to expose the game's dirty secrets. And so Jun Ho, at the opening of this episode, reaches the mainland with no signal on his phone. He, try- he calls his chief, manages to, but he's trying to send videos, say he'll call back later. But the staffers and frontman are right there on his tail. Even the frontman, he shoots the oxygen tank so that he can never escape through the water again, or apparently, I don't know, or he just did it just because he's angry. Um, and then there are three remaining players we have. Uh, Gihan, Sangwoo, and Sebyuk, and clearly the main, main trio. Clearly, Sebyuk is severely injured. We don't know what from. And the remaining players are 
told to dress in formal attire in these tuxedos for a for, for a lovely steak dinner. But which, when she goes in the bathroom to change, we see that she has a, a piece of glass in her hip. I would call it more than a piece of a glass. Shard. That thing is enormous. Yeah, and it's clearly like I. This is a moment where. Uh, she, I thought it was strange she didn't even ask for medical attention. I don't think th- they can't get any medical attention. Yeah, but it was never informed that they couldn't. I thought it was pretty much insinuated because throughout the show, every time they've asked for help, they've been like, nah. Cause I, he, yeah, but I just feel like if someone was really seriously injured, they'd at least try to ask. You know what I mean? I think she's intelligent enough to realize that she's not going to get any help. Yeah, but I, I know. I understand. But I think it would have, for me, it would have been better, better if she said something and then no one helped her. Yeah, but Gihan does it later on. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think she, she realizes it's futile to even ask. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. But they dress up for the steak dinner, which uh, looks great. It looks delicious. It's pretty odd. And that triangle table and Gihan. Han and Sangwoo, they destroy their dinners and they eat the plate clean. Whereas because Gun Ho, he distrusts Sangwoo completely. Gi- Gihan. Gihan. Sorry. Gihan's like. Do you speak, so- do you speak Korean? <laughs> I used to. It's been a while. <laughs> Gihan looks at Sangwoo as a villainous character now because he he's, looks at him as he murdered that older man. Whereas Sangwoo was like, we're, we'd all be dead if I didn't do that. So I made a choice that you were too afraid to make. Yeah. And um, they devour their meals, but Sebyuk doesn't eat anything because she's suffering immensely. She probably couldn't even lift her knife up to to try to eat anything anyways. And then once the dinner's over, they're all left with one knife to hold on to. And then we cut later on to Jun Ho gets ca- cornered by the front man. They, they find him. On they the track cliff. him down on yeah. the cliff. And there's nowhere to go. And the front man, he knows about South Korean police magazines for their weapons, how there's always a dummy bullet and always a blank, I believe it was. Yeah. But also, Jun Ho's, Jun Ho's texts wouldn't go through. Yeah. So he knows, like, you, you, there's no reception right here. He didn't send yeah. anything out. Um, and so Jun Ho actually shoots him in the shoulder, the front man. And the front man reveals himself to be his brother, dun, dun, dun. which I think we all saw coming yeah, at that point. Yeah, it was pretty point. obvious. And then the front man, his brother, shoots Jun Ho in the shoulder and he falls into the ocean, which never comes into play this is a big con i have with the show is because i mean it's pretty underwhelming that nothing ever happened from jun ho's entire storyline and then also i thought oh since he got shot in the the shoulder we didn't see him actually die maybe he gets rescued at the end of the season but the the final episode it jumps up a a year after the events and there's no jun ho so he must have died but maybe in season two because what's the point of shooting him in the shoulder why not shoot him in the head yeah but why why didn't they reveal what's been going on for the last year like they he couldn't make like how did he not connect anyone to the island maybe or to keep people more enticed and curious about what's to come I guess, I guess for me it was i kind of called bs on that i was like this doesn't make any sense and he's probably gonna come back yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back i'm sure it otherwise he would have gotten shot in the chest it seems obvious that he survived but yeah. also after a year why hasn't anything happened maybe this they just didn't show it to mess with us yeah um and then at night in the uh, barracks gihan stays with sebyuk for protection from sangwoo and Sang Wu actually falls asleep, and Say Byuk stops Gi Hun from killing Sang Wu after he's fallen asleep with his knife, be, be telling him that like that's not who you are. You have a good heart. You're not like him. You're not like that. You w- shouldn't do that. And so Gi Hun notices that Say Byuk is like on the verge of death, so he goes knocking on the doors to ask for help. And obviously, no one's gonna come. But the doors open up. He's like, Oh my God, they're actually gonna help her. But they bring in a coffin because while he was knocking on the door, he woke up. Sang Wu, who went over and slit 
Sabiak's throat with his knife. It was it was a great um, twist in the show. I did not see that coming. I thought it was a great moment for sure. It was very tragic for her. You ended up really f- feeling for her and wanting her to survive. I thought I, when it was happening, I'm like, she's going to go kill her because yeah. you're making all this noise. You woke him up. He's definitely going to go kill her. Yeah. So as soon as they came in, I'm like, oh, she's dead. So tragic, which shows you they don't care about your survival Except for when you're the last two because they stop them from, killing, them each from other. killing each other because yeah. they have to compete in the final round. Oh man, now the final episode, one lucky day. The final round presents another cruel test, but this time how it ends depends on just one player. The game's creator steps out of the shadows. And now we I like have that narration. Thanks, bro. Now good. we have Gi Hun versus Sangwoo. And this seemed to have been the inevitable setup from the start of the show to the end, that it would be coming down to these two main characters. They were the mains from the first episode and going forward, and they play Squid Game. So it's basically a bookend, kind of, from the beginning of this episode to the beginning of the show. I knew Squid Game would be the final game because it opens the show, the explanation of the rules. So clearly this is an important game, and so that's why we saw that before anything else in the show. And it relates to them in their childhood, but it ends up turning into basically a fight to the death. (laughs) It it starts off like, oh, we'll play play Squid Game for a second, but then we're just going to fight. Yeah, it's just like a Jason Bourne knife fight. And um, (laughs) (laughs) Gi-Hun eventually beats Sang-Woo, and he chooses not to kill him in the well actually instead of killing him so he, he, he stabs the ground instead yeah he of his does head. choose not to kill so him, he chooses right. not to yeah. kill him and then he's about to go claim victory squid game rules by putting both feet at that specific section of the squid but he decides not to and he refuses to and he asks sang Wu to just the two of them just vote to end this let's just end this let's just go home majority rules we can stop this whole situation but then sang Wu surprisingly kills himself uh, allowing Gi-Hun to win the game. And I think Sang-Woo just wanted to give up. I think he became disgusted with what he had transformed into as yeah. a killer, and he didn't want to continue living because of that. And if they're both going to just leave here with no money, what has all the point of it for? all been? What's yeah. the whole point been yeah. for? And I'm sure Sang-Woo understand. He knows that Gi-Hun will take care of his family and his mother and probably give her some of the cash. But major transformation for Gi-Hun where he, want, he rejects the money. He doesn't even want it by this point in the story. So his character has completely come around full circle. Yeah, so he wins the money and he has that, that final conversation with the front man and who drinks champagne by himself. Then <laughs> Gi-Hun's put back to sleep and dumped off on a random street in the city. And it's like one year later, Gi-Hun, despite having won... 45 billion won, which is about, again, $54 million U.S., lives as he did before. He won't spend any of the money that he earned. There are even banks trying to get him to sign up for accounts to grow his money and to help accrue interest for them and, and for, for Gi-Hun. And he even asked the banker to spare him 10,000 won. It even looks like he might even be homeless. Probably, yeah. Because yeah, his mom's dead. So oh, he, yeah, he before just... that. So he goes home after the games and his mother's dead. So that's probably yeah. the final act that causes him to just never want to think about that money yeah exactly and then he randomly buys a rose from this saleswoman and he finds uh, one of the cards taped to it and then he turns it over and and the, it says from your ganbu and it gives him instructions of a place to be at a certain time and so obviously this is very curious and very mysterious and so gihan goes to this building and goes to the seventh floor and he finds ilnan is still alive yeah ilnam is on his deathbed basically hooked up to all this medical equipment and he wants to play a final game with with Gi-Hun to see there's a homeless man down the street. If anyone helps him by midnight, you win. If no one helps him by midnight, I win. And this scene was 
a little underwhelming for me. It was very underwhelming for because me. Because we get the background of Gihan and how he, you know, the wealthy, the ultra wealthy are just as unhappy as the ultra poor because they're so bored in life. They have nothing. Yeah. They have all this wealth, but nothing could possibly be worth buying for them at this point. Nothing tastes as good as anything else ever will. And th there's nothing they could do to achieve happiness. And they're they're as depressed as the people who have nothing on their streets. And so he's it's an interesting comparison. Um, and then, but I just was underwhelmed with the the villainous nature of the character. I wish they made him more more sinister, more nefarious, more evil in a way in his explanations for everything, rather than kind of being empathetic at the same time. I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, he was still too much of like a sweet, wise old man. And I do think I think the symbolism was a little too heavy handed for me. Like it's like we understand the whole point of the show by now. You don't need to like explain in detail the main theme of the show i thought i was like i you're kind of spoon feeding us right now so i think the the conversation it lacked interest for me for being the conclusion of the story and then also you know the final game was kind of like i mean obviously someone's going to help them at the end yeah it seemed to be the whole point of the show that their humanity will does overcome yeah these the, kinds of the things. police officer comes and helps the homeless man and so, so. gihan has won the game right before uh ilnam's death who he says you saw that before you died didn't you you son of a and so i think that was the final act that gihan needed to see to show that you know what i should clean up my act i can maybe do something good i can be a good father to my daughter i can help other people i can give i give sangwoo's mother all that cash who knows how much was in there i have no idea and say buck's brother yeah and so he also dyes his hair red. He dyes his hair red, which I found to be very interesting because he, he seems to do the choice randomly because he sees the photo at the salon. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't want to recognize himself anymore maybe. or oh, transform yeah. into something else. That's a good. Point. Not sure. And he's about to uh, board a train to go to the airport. A plane. No, but it's before that. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's about. Oh he's, yeah, he's I'm in the sorry. subway. I'm getting ahead again. You're so ahead, bro. I you just were just so excited. Like, oh man, I can't wait to talk about the end of the episode right before we start. <laughs> <laughs> um, he sees the salesman. Playing Dachi with somebody in the subway. He hears the slaps. In the subway, see, the guy sees him. He's like, hey, man, you won the games. Good for you. He gives him that like the smirk. Like, But Gihan, so he tries to run the other side to stop the game from going on and try to catch the salesman, but he's disappeared. And he tells the guy, you don't want to do this. Don't play the game. <laughs> what a weird day for that guy. For real. Jeez, like, I'm just having some fun. <laughs> and then he goes to the airport, and he's just about to board the plane when... He calls the number he took from that man's business card, and he says he tells the person on the phone that I'm not a horse. Saying he's like he's not like a a piece of meat. He's not an object. Like he is an independent being, and he can't be controlled. And then the the front man comes back comes onto the line, and he tells him, "Hey, just board the plane. Just just move on with your life. You don't need to, you don't need to join this again." But then um, Gihan decides he wants to play again, and so he turns around. I don't know if he, if it's that he wants to play again, but I think he's going to try to take them down. He's going to play again. You think so? Definitely. I think that, well, I figured that it would just be he's going to try to use his resources. Now that he has millions of won, I mean, billions of won, I don't know how much he gave Songwoo, uh, Songwoo's mother. It looked like a, a portion of that, yeah, not, a, a not even amount. close to half. It could have been probably what his death was worth plus more. It looked like he he she, he gave her like a billion won, something like maybe that. a little bit more, but not so, that much. Um, but life-changing money, obviously. I don't know if he's going to use his resources to go after them, maybe, or like you said, go into the games. I think I think that's a great idea. I think he'll also be playing again. I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, what what would cause you to go back inside the games though? Maybe because the the thrill of it. 
But wouldn't they just kill him as soon as he showed up? I mean, why not let him compete? I guess. I guess. I don't know. But I'm curious to see what's happening. Who's going to be the new head of the game since Ilnam is dead and did jump? Well, the ju- rest of the elites will still keep it going, I would say. Yeah, but we didn't see who like really was in charge. Because he was the host. Yeah. So who's going to be the new host? Oh, there there will probably be another big villain then. And so, sure. and then also, what happened to Jun Ho? Is he dead? Is he going to come back? Is he like still investigating? Is he lost somewhere out to sea on a desert island, <laughs> drinking coconut water? <laughs> but I would say overall, I really enjoyed the show. The shock of the idea was so incredible, well made, well written. I think after episode six, it went just went a little downhill. I think the ending was a little unsatisfying for me. I think we all wanted to see him see his daughter, but I guess, you know, you don't always get what you want in with main characters. Um, and they want to obviously set this up for a second season, clearly. So I'm curious to see what they go where they go with it. Overall, I enjoyed the show. Yeah, I thought the show was really good. Um, I And I, I love that there's a pop culture phenomenon for an international production. For me, though, ultimately, like you said, the second half of the show... Uh, I think really nosedived and it, it didn't quite lead up um, meet the expectations that was set up for it. The first six episodes were very strong. Um, the first episode was great. The sixth episode was the best one. Yeah, Gunboo was the peak. Yeah, but then it really just, I mean, I was not happy with where it went and with how the, the plots ended up. Um, Jun Ho's plot, uh, Gihan's plot. Um, I, I was unsatisfied with a lot of it. And even like I was, there were some bits like when when the front man takes his mask off and he looks in the mirror and he sees his brother's ghost, it's like, do we need that? And we just saw his face for the first time. It's not like we have a relationship with him. And so I just think the last few episodes really kind of set a bar of it down a little bit for me. I understand why it became such a sensation. It is very shocking and it's very fun. But ultimately, for me, it didn't live up to all the hype. I think just the idea of the show, it's like, a, a, a TV show or a movie, the peak in the, the biggest climax, it needs to happen towards the end. Yeah. But for the show, it happens really near the middle. So I think the, just the idea itself, it kind of was going to fall into that trap. It got trap. too big for itself. The, the story arc plot of it, it happens, the peak again, it happens episode six, yeah. which is great. It's a brilliant episode. It's one of the best TV show episodes I've ever seen. Um, but like again, where are you going to go from there? It's it's hard to keep that momentum going. It's you could say the third act of the whole story just fell down. You can you see know? where the original script of it being a movie made a lot more sense. Yeah. Whereas now you're drawing it out to a TV show, so we have these like last two or three chapters, which are kind of just like prolonging lots what, of filler. It seems like maybe Ganbu was the final climax of the movie script. Yeah. Honestly, the last three episodes I found very boring. And I was just like waiting for them to be over. The Whereas game. the first six episodes, I was totally invested. I think also the VIPs, I know you're supposed to hate the characters, but I really disliked them on camera every time they spoke or were on camera. It seemed, you know, very cartoonish uh, characters. Yeah. And I know everyone hates America, but couldn't there be other elites from other countries? There's a ton of Western civilizations with tons of billionaires and, and capitalism. Like, can we get someone from like UK, Canada, yeah. China? Like, Europe. I think there was someone from Tokyo, it sounded like. Yeah. And also, also, yeah, all of their dialogue was very cheesy. Yeah. Like, every time one of the elites spoke, I was, like, cringing. Cartoonish. From, the dialogue was just very, very cheesy. And I, it really took me out of it. The, the VIP episode, number seven, the, the Glass Bridge was the weakest episode. And I was really, like, cringing half the time. So that was definitely a very weak element. And I honestly did not like any of the elite characters. None of them. They all seemed to have the same voice, too. 
they all seem to be like the same kind of person. They could have made them more interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, why not tackle these cons- these characters more interesting and, and make them more memorable? Yeah, exactly. And why not? Why not show their faces? You know. But yeah. I, I mean, but ultimately, it was a good show. I had a really good time watching it. For I'm sure. definitely watching season two for yeah. sure. I got. I need all these un- unanswered questions yeah. told to me. I need yeah. to know what happened with Junho. Where is Junho? Where the hell? Is, where in the world is Junho and Carmen San Diego? Are they chilling somewhere, drinking tequila and mojitos on an island? I don't know. Yeah, but ultimately, uh, Suicide uh, <laughs> Squid Game is a fun time. Excellent job. Yeah. Great production. I hope you guys enjoyed the show as much we did, as we did in this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast today to help keep the lights on for this show and support us. You're the best. Thanks again. Take care. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.